Welcome to the Theology Podcast. We have a special edition for you. We are at the, or at least I am at, and Nate is at, and you don't know Nate yet, but you will soon. We are at the Fight, Laugh, Feast uh, Network uh, event uh, here in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota, and we are really happy about it. We uh, are going to be enjoying uh, fellowship with a number of folks in the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network over the next few days. And I think most of the folks who listen to us on a regular basis on the podcast are familiar with the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. But if you're not, uh, you really ought to become a subscriber to the network and enjoy the podcasts that are uh, a part of that network because there's some really great folks in that network. But anyway, I've kind of gone down a rabbit hole. This is C.R. Wiley, and I am a pastor in uh, Vancouver, Washington. Uh, I've written a few things. Uh, one of those things is The Household and the War for the Cosmos. And I've got a new book on Bombadil coming out one of these days. But anyway, that's enough about me. We're going to have uh, the regulars introduce themselves. So, uh, Tom, why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll go to Glenn. All right. Tom Price, a systematic theologian and Christian ethicist, uh, teaching both at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary and other places. All right, Glenn. And I'm Glenn Sunshine, soon to be Emeritus Professor of History at Central Connecticut State University, Senior Fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview, and I do a few other things as well. All right. Well, Glenn, you were at the last Fight, Laugh, Feast conference, and I know that uh, you had a great time, and a number of folks have been asking about you. We've even even had people inquire uh, whether or not we have a Glenn Sunshine, you know, Pugcast t-shirt. So you are like a rock star in, in the <laughs> Pugcast fan world. And we had this great idea of, it, of superimposing your face over a pug. So in other words, putting Glenn's head on a pug's body. I think that would sell. <laughs> I, I, I like the other idea of having all three of our heads there to turn the pug into Cerberus. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think maybe we could actually make money both ways. <laughs> But uh, anyway, we are joined today uh, by uh, Nathan Spearing, and uh, I just met Nate recently, um, and uh, the reason I met him is because Nate led an event uh, at a a really cool uh, ranch called the Rifle Ranch, uh, just north of, of Rapid City. And so we've been together for a couple of days. He just about killed us the first day. He demonstrated how out of shape we all were. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, uh, uh, he's here, and uh, I thought he'd make a great guest to talk about a number of matters uh, related to martial virtues. And uh, he's got uh, a a company that he's just getting off the ground. And uh, and rather than uh, me waste your time by describing him, he's sitting right next to me. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he can talk for himself. So, Nathan, why don't you introduce yourself and maybe give us a little bit of the background you gave the rest of us at the event concerning your you know, time in the military, your growing up, and all that kind of stuff. Sounds good. I uh, appreciate y'all having me on here. And um, so, kind of the – I went to the, the, the conference in September okay. and uh, have kind of been following the Fight, Laugh, Feast guys and kind of just seeing – uh, a lot of people come into that event and being encouraged and singing psalms and also kind of wanting some execution kind of strategy of taking this this great experience with Christians kind of back to their hometowns and uh, what to do and how to kind of uh, fight the battle. I know you're familiar with your book, you know, The War for the Cosmos, kind of a home-centric strategy and um, kind of approached the guys there about potentially doing some, some cross-training in a couple different things. And um, so I, I am a, a homeschooler. I went all the way through uh, high school, graduated high school, um, oldest of seven children, a, a Christian uh, home the whole, whole time, and then uh, decided to join the military shortly after high school. And so I, I enlisted in the military um, and was a Army Ranger and stationed at, uh, at Fort Benning and then later on served in a more advanced position as special operations community uh, at Fort Bragg and um, kind of have a range of experiences that the Army kind of uh, exposed me to. Uh, during that 
14-year career, I deployed 12 times to combat and um, halfway through at like sixth deployment mark, got married. And before actually leaving the military, we, we had five children. So uh, deploying became a little more difficult for me as our household grew. I was burdened by the goodbyes and also just the inability to lead my family well abroad. Um, I loved the job. I was, was good at it, but was gone a lot and really needed just kind of the Lord convicted me that it was, it was time to, to leave the life that I love and to uh, pursue other things. So the, the reality of my transition plan was I'm going to be a present husband and father. Um, after that, not a lot of planning um, and, you know, knew uh, that I, I was going to be a, an entrepreneur. I just, I didn't really like the idea. There was kind of some prevailing wisdom in transition programs for military members. You got to do a really good cultural uh, or self-analysis, find a culture that fits you. And I was like, I'm too unique to find a culture that'll fit me, uh, you know, and I'm kind of sick and tired of, of being given culture in the, in the vocational space. And so I decided that I, I would brave my way there. I had a little bit of financial cushion from some real estate investments we were doing on the side and kind of knew I had some runway to figure it out. And so I left in 2016 and really didn't realize how much idolatry that I had harbored in my heart of, with respect to my vocation. Um, it wasn't, I realized I kind of was in this cycle of enjoying these trips and able to be sacrificial to my wife and to my family for short periods of time before I got to go do the special ops thing and compartmentalize kind of everything back in the States. So the Lord has been sanctifying me rigorously over the last four and a half years. And I also was kind of conflicted because I love the job. There was a skill set there that I enjoyed. But as the COVID thing kicked off um, and as I watched churches and men and just Christians not really being able to walk out a true theology that God is kind of in control of what's going on and we can't through um, worrying about things create safety. I had the ability to learn in firefights and in all these different things that I couldn't control that uh, God had it. If I was being faithful, if I was where I was supposed to be, he would protect me. And these instances where I wasn't aware of enemy location, I wasn't aware of all these things happening, but being in the States and there being a, a virus is not unlike that. So um, kind of wanting to, um, as a layman, as a business owner, as a, someone working hard to be a present husband and father and share my experiences and encourage Christians in this time to, to stand firm, to ultimately trust the creator, but also take action, prepare, run the place, have dominion, create beauty and encourage that. So, um, yeah, I, th I think there, there are just a number of things that are, are really worth thinking about that you just mentioned, Nathan. One, one of the things is um, you were in environments where things uh, were not sort of scheduled out and planned, <laughs> you know, and uh, ordered, organized in ways that people who live in corporate America would recognize. You know? <laughs> in other words, you're, you're, in, you're in these chaotic environments, and yet you were able to to uh, trust that God was in control, even though you were not able to see what he was up to at any given moment. I wonder, uh, you know, when I think about our ancestors, uh, their daily lives looked a lot more like your experience on deployment than most lives today in the United States and corporate America and, and et cetera, if you know, you know what I'm getting at. I wonder sometimes, and you know, however you want to respond to this is great, but I wonder sometimes if our lives are too structured in a sense 
because it sort of gives us a sort of creates a set of expectations that there always has to be some kind of structured environment in order for human beings to actually, you know, do anything or, you know, feel safe or, or what have you. But, you know, it goes all the way down to little league and, you know, how things are managed, you know, and no one, no one ever loses anymore. And, you know, you know, so you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. Well, I, I would say that predominantly the way our culture is right now, we're living pretty small lives, uh, with respect to what could be the reality, especially Christians. Um, I think we've let the world's definition of success kind of become ours. You know, we're not going bankrupt. We're paying all our bills every month and I got a good job. Uh, And, you know, ultimately not really using margin in our life time-wise mm-hmm. for productive things right. and even being you know a lot of the people as i left the military I, I left at 14 years you know the the adage in the military is if you've done 10 years you might as well stay in yeah right which is absurd yeah another 10 years to get a government pension to me um and then you know ultimately how i framed it was looking at my oldest son being seven yeah. And at the time I was really wrestling with getting out, um, double his life again. Yeah. And, uh, that being worth it to me and ultimately trusting that making the decision for the right reasons and pursuing what was next, even in spite of the unknowns in some ways that was the most difficult time in my life. Yeah. Um, when you're in, even in the military, there is stuff out of your control but you've trained and you've run a lot of battle drills and you have a huge network around you. And, and in a way for someone like me taking a, a cave held by Al Qaeda is, is okay. We've trained for this, mm-hmm. um, financial insecurity, You're right. Uh, after 14 years of direct deposit from <laughs> department of defense into my account <laughs> right, is actually right. more of yeah. a risk from how I lived my life, how I structured things. So going for it and then even ultimately facing financial peril to -hmm. some extents, we, Mm -hmm. we had kind of engaged in some real estate deals as we were getting out. I found out that the army was going to take back uh, 40 K enlistment bonus right as I'm getting out. So, and that was God's way of saying to me in hindsight, you have this financial cushion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're trusting in that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and even as we're leaving, finding out the army's going to tax it if you don't pay it back right now, huh. and and writing a check that equated to about half my liquid assets. Wow. I had two house payments. I had five kids. Yeah. Um, and starting a business in that yeah, environment yeah. was and, more and, of an unknown to me sometimes than combat. Oh yeah, and yeah. and it was not in my control. So you you mentioned a business. I, I believe you're a contractor, right? Correct. Yep. So and I've that done. and that came out of that very downward curve of liquid assets that we had <laughs> on hand. And I grew up in construction. Yeah. Um, a really important part about my upbringing was knowing how to work. Mm-hmm. Too many of us have experiences. And too much, a lot of a culture has experiences. If you get that guy that has the fish on his business card, right, right. don't hire him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually made that judgment myself. Exactly. As a Christian, <laughs> yeah. knowing right. where we come from, and if, if you're going to lead with that right. openly, it's not necessarily a good thing for business. Well, it, and, and maybe it's a way, uh, you know, it, as you, you know, for making up for something that that may not be so savory or so so solid, yeah. yeah. So I, I've got a little bit of background in in, con, in, in contracting and stuff yes. like. So I know I know what you're talking about, which which you went into. But I guess the thing I'd like to, tr- to sort of segue into is something new that you're doing, which uh, you know I was able to enjoy being part of uh, up at the, uh, the rifle ranch. So we had uh, an event that uh, Nathan led us through or let or led which was entitled Warriors in the Garden. And uh, I, I was intrigued by the title, of course. And then I was even more intrigued when you made a, a, a comment 
relating to uh, or making a contrast between warriors in the garden versus gardeners at war. And I thought that was a fascinating thing and a fascinating statement. I'd like you to explain it because I think it would give us a lot of food for thought and discussion for uh, the show. Yeah. So ultimately, I guess kind of um, as COVID kicked off, I found myself in a kind of leadership role, engaging government, local governments, and kind of our church strategy to continue meeting and to kind of stay ahead of the narrative with, with local politics, taking some of my experience working in U.S. embassies and things like that. So like, like local politics is like working with Afghan warlords? Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, we've done some many, we call them key leader engagements, going into these tribal areas. And, uh, you know, so... I kind of was able to run some plays and 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 message the intentionality that our church was putting into our strategy, but ultimately we're going to keep meeting and and to create this narrative that enables us to garner local support from from our government, not necessarily provoking a fight, but also creating the narrative and being proactive about how we're going to meet and what we're going to do. I even gave the police chief and the sheriff my cell phone number said, Hey, this is what we're, we're implementing precautions kind of open-ended. Yeah. yeah. And if you have any questions, give me a call. Right. And, and, um, so also feeling like even like people in my circle that I, I believe are great Christian men being kind of tossed around right. and ultimately um, a little bit more pragmatics, a little bit more fear-based. So pragmatism fear as opposed to principle and courage. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I that was kind of an aspect of it, um, going to Fight, Laugh, Feast, seeing kind of the community that's being built there and 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 get and listening to kind of the content that's coming out on the network and really seeing that there's potential to pass some training along and specifically out of building something though and that's we talked about the first half of the day or the first day was i really wanted to frame it in the context of what are you building where are you exercising what was given to creation, man put into creation to subdue, to multiply, and and to challenge the participants coming to be building, to be subduing. And, you know, we kind of have the guns mm-hmm. and, the, and the shooting and the, and the fun guy stuff, but wanting to get to that after we talked about building and right. only protection and, and understanding violence is really only for someone who's building something that the devil hates. Mm. Are you going to really be finding yourself under attack if mm. you've separated yourself right. and you're quarreling against sound wisdom? Or are you going to be under attack if you're building a godly family and you're raising a godly, godly offspring, you're meeting right. in, in the church, and, and you're doing the Lord's work faithfully? And, and that there's this tension between the spiritual warfare and us actually having the tools. Right. And uh, my pastor did a sermon at some point before even COVID kicking off about, you know, Christians will often say to themselves, we're meek. But the definition that we, we kind of used was, you know, having a sword, knowing how to use it, and then leaving it sheathed, or kind of putting a modern spin on it, owning a gun, being proficient in it, and deciding not to employ it because you are you are showing restraint and wisdom, right? So, and this, so this is a, a definition of meekness that is quite uh, different than sort of the 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 one that I think most people think actually is the definition. So, you know, if you were to go up on a man in the street and say, "Tell me what meekness means," I think most people would would describe something that sounds an awful lot like weakness. Mm-hmm. But uh, what you're, what I'm hearing you say is that meekness is actually, uh, actually being, you know, quite capable of performing harm and not doing it for some higher purpose or some, some, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, to, because you want to glorify God or because you want to 
just protect somebody from harm, you know, in that instance being the person that you could direct violence toward. Am I kind of, kind of move, tracking with you on that? Yeah, and ultimately it's out of a Christian view of the sanctity of life right. and the reality that every human being, no matter how fallen, ultimately was crafted in the image of God. Now, post-fall world, some of these people yeah. are ordained for destruction right, right. and are going to never bend the knee until the end. Right. And, and they're, but, but out of that reality that we shouldn't be quick to do violence. Right. Because right. ultimately the sanctity of life is that grounding reality and, and wanting to make sure that any kind of training that I'm doing or any kind of imparting these, you know, ultimately some tactical things and some, some principles and some battle drills for home and church um, are done out of a desire to create and a desire to build. And as a, a very small subset, but also enables you to be confident. Right. If you're prepared, right. if right. you have supplies, if you have techniques and skills, if you're even just talking about setting up your church, setting up your home, talking with your family and other congreg- in your congregation, that we've thought about this. We've thought about some of these scenarios and, and ultimately um, putting yourself in a position that, that violence can be for protecting and ultimately giving, uh, setting the conditions to not do it and to resist and to, and to, but also we talked about, you know, C.S. Lewis quote in the last battle uh, that a warrior is always courteous words or hard knocks and, and maintaining the wisdom to de-escalate, to not let our pride flare up, you know, and then, you know, pastors and Toby is there, um, Sumter, just this banter to say, we have to be nurturing these godly qualities that don't make us uh, fools and let us get baited and let us get angry and just speaking out of the flesh right. instead right. of wisdom. Yeah. And you, you, you gave us some good uh, illustrations of uh, how that, you know, sort of in the field as you were, you know, in, involved in peacekeeping or involved in active combat, you had to do that very thing. But I guess what I'd like to do at this point is just see if, if Tom and Glenn have any thoughts or questions for you that uh, might be, uh, you know, would prompt some some things that, you know, you could respond to. So, Tom or Glenn? Tom. Um, I guess I'll run first um, before the train starts making sound again. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, one of the, I think the interesting things that comes to mind is something I, I, I'm also thinking a lot about, actually prepping a later show on as well, and it's it's the it's something that has been really lost in um, even the church in many quarters today, and that's the old virtue of temperance, right? Um, and we if we notice that, I mean, what in temperance basically being managing those baser aspects of ourselves, right? And I think we're being we're being um, pressed and probed in a lot of ways to be intemperate, to lose our cool. I mean, if you look, I mean, day in, day out in the news, you see, you know, police having to go in and and exert force in context where people are just oftentimes unmanageable, the escalation of their anger and frustration. And and there are moments to be angry and frustrated, but what we're seeing is, is more and more people being unable to control those aspects of themselves and, and therefore place themselves in easy situations of, of manipulation, if not vulnerability and death. And I think we also see pressures culturally, especially towards Christian and Christian men. They almost are provoking by playing the, you know, basically making us guilty of everything under the sun. They're almost wanting to push us to get into that in that mode and so i think the what you're talking about the way in which we're we're cultivating christian virtues and 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 principles in in our life and practices especially in in relationship to weaponry and defense and and things that are pro-life when they're ordered the right way um which is which kind of contrasts the way a lot of people look at those things 
those things I think are fundamental to our moment in time. I mean, they're probably fundamental to any moment in time, but I think there's such a breakdown there, even in the church. I mean, even if you're looking at it from a different angle, um, the way we're taught to consume things plays to our baser nature. So a lot of times we are constantly giving into the emotional and the, the immediate gratification and not governing those aspects of ourselves. I think that Lewis and other Christians were telling us we should be focusing on the, these higher aspects of our nature in Christ. Um, so anyway, that's kind of what came to mind um, when you were, were talking about those things or practical ways in relationship to family and weaponry of actually cultivating those those Christian virtues. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you found yourself in situations where you were inserted into a conflict and things had already kind of gone on for a while. You know, you're you're insert into a situation where these uh, very powerful passions are already un have been unleashed, <laughs> you know? And, and one of the things that it made an impression upon me as you were describing your, your time in those, those environments is that the first thing you had to do was make sure that you were uh, not caught up in sort of that sort of wave of passion. You had to control yourself, you know? And, uh, hopefully be able to sort of communicate that to people in whatever way you had to do it. But, but in a measured way, I would say. Yeah. What you said. And, it, and even the reality that the way that we respond to our wife okay, or yeah. our kids yeah. in everyday life is developing a pattern of letting out aspects of our flesh mm -hmm. that shouldn't come out and, and just kind of, trying to bring every thought captive or make every thought captive and and not allow and, and how it connects and we talked about specifically in warriors in the garden that you want to think about this stuff beforehand yeah and you got to run the play and you got to understand and and you know toby encouraging us daily in the word mm -hmm. in in communion and fellowship and and nurturing these things because when the anger flares up or the things get out of your control that if you haven't cultivated to happen naturally uh, or, or done a lot of discipline to do it in calm times, and not super significant, then how are you going to do it when something violent is happening? Right. It, it's it, going to come out of, you can't give yourself confidence or have confidence unless you're, you're being obedient every day. Right. And Toby had that uh, passage from Jeremiah in which the Lord response to Jeremiah's complaint, you can't run with men, how are you going to run with horses? <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, the everyday, if you can't handle maintaining your cool with your kids and your wife and, and, and uh, being uh, constructive and uh, promoting, uh, you know, God's dominion in these environments, how do you expect to uh, accomplish that when you're confronted by someone with a weapon, you know, or something like that? So you've got to be under control at all times. I think yeah. that's great. And ultimately, if you're really believe that the what is in front of you, the Lord is equipping you to do, and that His way is may not be super logical from the narrative right. of the world. Right. right. There may be things that that seem pragmatically what you need to do, and even just that kind of manly, like. That's you don't want to be made fun of. Right. I got to make sure yeah. that I escalate yeah. and I make sure that everybody around sees that this guy didn't put one over on me. Right, right, right. And and to just let people speak ill of us mm -hmm. and, and, and know because you have cultivated enough relationships that will tell you for real. Yeah. That you're off your rocker right. to know that it's not true. And I, I have community, I have a relationship with my wife to just when they revile, you know, we know that that's coming out of a place of slave to sin, right? Uh, being used by the devil right now to tear you down, to distract you. I mean, when clients in construction and your neighbor and different things happen, you know, they don't know the truth. 
Mm-hmm. And and we're here, and even speaking about Christians in the military having an opportunity to minister and to proclaim life right. and to set the example and to provide leadership, um, it's it's critical. Yeah, that's great. Glenn, do you have any thoughts and questions for me to this point? Oh yeah, I got thoughts. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the things when you brought up C.S. Lewis, uh, one of the things that uh, ran through my head is Lewis, of course, was a real expert in medieval and early modern literature. And uh, there are two themes there that I think are, are kind of interesting. One of them is uh, chivalry, the idea of chivalry, which we think of as being courteous to women. Um, originally, it was simply the warrior code. And then it was the influence of a couple of people, but, uh, but especially the church, that said, you know what? Yeah, warriors have to be tough. They've got to be... You know, they've got to uh, be effective in battle. They've got to have all of these kinds of things. They've got to be loyal. They've got to be brave, um, all of this. But they also have responsibilities to the weak, you know, to protect them. And that was really an influence of the church coming in there. Um, The second thing, particularly when you're moving ahead to about the Puritans, the Puritans believed that if you let yourself get out of control, if you let your emotions dominate you and you, you respond with emotions, that that was a sign of being effeminate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that actually keeping yourself under control and acting with reason rather than emotion was the mark of a man. And actually, this really goes back to Aristotle. Yeah, and even Plato, Plato's, uh, he, he wanted to kick the, the poets out because he thought they were basically effeminate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so that was item number two. Item number three is the current book that's out there, uh, Jesus and John Wayne. <laughs> heard about that. Uh, which I haven't read it, but as near as I can tell, it's sort of arguing that evangelical Christianity has become way too macho. And uh, this is um, a problem. Uh, And the curious thing for me is I look at evangelical Christianity and I think overall it's become wimps. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I remember remember having what it's worth. Those those are three ideas that you can play with or not. Right. So, Well, well, this trend toward wimpiness apparently has been going on for a while. I remember having a conversation with my wife's grandfather who had degrees from Harvard and Yale was a, a theologian helped to translate the new international version of the bible and I, we had a conversation one time and his essential take on on ministers in the 70s and the 80s was they're all wimps <laughs> <laughs> nothing new under the sun <laughs> that's, right. That's, right. that's right anyway uh one of the things i'd like to get into though a little bit is that is that statement you made about warriors in the garden versus gardeners at war could you unpack that a little bit now we talked about meekness. Is that entirely what you were getting at, or is there something else that you were trying to get out of that? Well, I think I am a warrior in a garden in some ways. I am trying to build a business, uh, particularly looking to start a farm as a family. And I feel like the when we started to kind of see a pretty aggressive trend with COVID of fear, and this unsettledness and then at the same time rioting and looting and really the reality that all of this may not be out there overseas anymore right right Mm -hmm. and to literally not be worried ultimately because of my trust in the lord Mm -hmm. but also because I know what to do. Mm-hmm. I have I have faced gunfire and grenades, and I know my Lord protected me then. And there's ultimately what we talked about. You know, the best defense is not to be there, right? But also, you may not have that choice. And so, as I found myself really in the garden and trying to build a construction business and a real estate business at the same time, be a loving husband and father and a committed member of my church. Um, But then this raging and everybody panicking and buying all the ammunition on the shelf. Right, right. I already bought my ammunition. I'm ready. Uh, (laughs) And uh, 
also just just seeing kind of Christians ping. Yeah. And yeah. and 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 it's like guys, um ultimately maybe because they didn't prepare. Right. But then faith. So that combination of almost like faith and obedience, right? You know, that you've taken action and you you've prepared and and so just and that doesn't mean I'm done and I'm not trying to sit here and say I've got it together. Right, you know, right. that's that always reforming, always improving and and trying to bring every area of our life into dominion and submission to Christ um, is, is forever. And so, you know, being in my garden, seeing kind of things amp up and then having kind of confidence from the way the Lord brought me in the military, military. when I heard that quote, and it's kind of a unknown origin, I, I, I understood it with every ounce of my being. And ultimately with that warrior in the garden name um, and, and kind of contrasting building, we had a number of wives hear about it. And I talked about this with the guy on my team. Like we have to be intentional about these words. These, I think we had at least three wives say, you're going to that. <laughs> uh, and, and, and sign their husband up and let him know. Right, right. He's going. <laughs> and we're talking about on the car ride back from the ranch here. That's a huge win to me. Yeah. yeah. That that women are kind of hearing the narrative, listening to the podcast, and wanting their husbands to be a part of it. Yeah. And and the husbands are excited to be a part of it sure. and giving tools to go back and, and say, you know, start here and and talk, have these conversations in your church. Right. And but keep building. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've run across through the whole COVID phenomenon, but you know, in other settings as well, is that there's a kind of normalcy bias that we have that um, prevents us from preparing. You know, so so for example, uh, one of the instructors, Chris, this afternoon, you were there, uh, was going through some first aid, uh, you know, uh, tourniquet. Uh, you know, breathing, you know, helping us understand how to help somebody who has been injured. And uh, it was all kind of uh, academic until they gave us the story about him and his daughter. Yeah. And she, uh, the, so to give you uh, just a quick snapshot of what he, he described, uh, he had taken his daughter and his son out to ride their bikes. His back was turned. His, his daughter had an accident. It was a pretty severe accident. And when he turned around, he saw that his daughter's femur had come out of her skin and she was bleeding profusely. Now he knew exactly what to do and he was able to save her life. But normalcy bias would keep you from thinking about, well, I better prepare for, you know, something as awful as that. I think normalcy bias can also prevent you from preparing for, you know, violent encounters that you don't want to happen, but may happen anyway, you know, you might find yourself in a situation where really I have to fight and I've never done anything in my yeah. life before to prepare me for this moment. So um, the idea is that you're a warrior, but you're in a garden as opposed to a gardener who finds himself in a war. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> right. Correct. So anyway, uh, I'd be, I think it'd be great to know a little more about your, your hopes for the future. We had a lot of fun, by the way, I think I, sh I fired about 200 rounds of ammunition over the course of a day and a half. And it was a lot of fun shooting up targets and stuff like that, <laughs> going out to distances. I had never, ever thought about trying to hit a target with, you know, we were, I was shooting like nine, 900 meters, you know, out to targets and actually hitting them because we had people, obviously not because I'm so great, but because we had people coaching me. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so it was a, a marvelous experience, but could you kind of get into the nuts and bolts of that and maybe what you're hoping to do with this, with this, I'm assuming this is something you want to do again in other places. Yes. So I guess I first want to say how encouraging it was to have two pastors yeah. <laughs> of the 14 participants. Uh, that's encouraging to me. And I think that, you know, understanding some of this stuff and having a theology of the garden, having a theology of violence and kind of doing some of these drills, you know, hopefully is giving you some context to frame some stuff. And, uh, um, anyway, uh, I, 
kind of don't know where it's going to go. This literally was about a month ago calling the cross-politic guys up saying, I noticed you're doing a rally in Rapid City. We've got a relationship there from, from the military. What do you guys think? And will anybody even shine up, sign up and selling out in 18 hours or something like that kind of had a max capacity and not really spending a whole lot of time on the curriculum, except for knowing I had a lot to say through experience. Um, so we've set up a website, um, spearing.co. By the way, you need to get to that website and don't put .com because that takes you to something else. But if you put .co, it'll take you to, to, to Nate's website. And there's a very cool image, and I'm assuming it's of you. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I was uh, jumping a uh, military tandem tether bundle. So um, out of the back of an aircraft. So a little bit of a hero image there and kind of, but then the narrative is talking about God calling me out of this and being faithful in the family and uncertainty. So we've set up an email sign up there kind of have a genre of things that we're talking about. Uh, I have a passion for family-centric economics because I think that the more that you have control of your revenue directly, instead of being employed for a corporation that may not have godly values, um, that that's or make, a They may make a promise of $40,000 and take it back. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, that's beneficial. It allows you to take a stand in some ways that you may be scared to because of finances. Right. So mm-hmm. being in a position where I kind of own my livelihood and ultimately trusting it to God, but having uh, flexibility to kind of come out and do things like these, right. uh, these events and train people and, I, I, I enjoy it a lot, um, but I, I really want it to come out of a, a family-based economics, building a home, and, and, and sharing some of the struggles of business. But I also think that um, it's very much ingrained in my experience, and it's, it's very fun to teach. It's, right. it's encouraging and fun to be with a group of guys that are that excited. The right. ranch, is, ranch is excited we're coming the participants excited. I enjoy speaking about it. So I think we're going to do a hybrid version of some online stuff because um, some of this stuff can be taught. Um, I also really like it being in person because um, you well, get it's that. It's awfully to, hard to shoot AKs without <laughs> somebody uh, helping you. Uh, correct. Yeah. Um, the the Ultimately, uh, this is going to have to have real actual uh, experiences. Yeah, um, by the way, it was great to have your son Eli with you. What was that? It was great to have your son with us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's here right, right now, here. actually. <laughs> Come over here and say hi, real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if, you, if you're watching us on YouTube, you're, you're able to see. Yeah, uh, Nate's so son. I brought my uh, 12-year-old son along because one of the things that's nice about when you own the business is you can bring them along for these experiences. They can learn to conduct themselves honorably with men. Um, having a range of experiences and then getting to put his hands on some of the firearms as well. So, and, yeah. and have conversations with them and not feel like I'm leaving the whole family behind right. as well. And the, the, the ranch that we were at is a family business as well. Brent and his, uh, was that the, the ranch we were at is a family business, the rifle ranch. Yes. Uh, so yep. that was, that was great as well. So we were actually at a family business. And while you were conducting a family business, <laughs> we had all these guys learning to, to shoot. I learned a number of things. I mean, you know, I, I own guns. I've, I've shot, but I, I didn't know a lot of the things I learned. You know, yeah. you helped me out a lot. And so you I did. You did very well on the spectrum of experiences. I well, was impressed. I'm glad, I'm glad. Well, good. I'm glad to know that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, I guess uh, the thing I'd like to kind of zero in at this point is a little bit. Uh, on the on some things that I was thinking about during the course of our time together, and uh, one of those things is you know getting back to martial virtues. You know, so like the word virtue is actually based on the, the the Latin virtus, which is where we get viral, which means which is where we a beer, which is man. So virtue is manliness in the ancient world. And so initially, if you like, if you read you know Homer and you uh, you know see the descriptions of you know, the warriors that 
you know, you know, we have in the Iliad and the Odyssey. There's a lot of, you know, like there are long lists of their virtues. <laughs> and so virtue was something that was associated almost entirely with warriors uh, originally. And then later on, people said, well, we can make lists for all sorts of things. We can make lists for housewives, cobblers, et cetera. And then Plato came along and said, let's just make a list of virtues for just a human being. <laughs> and so that's where, where we are now. When people say the word virtue, they think honesty. And, you know, and those are all great things. But there are certain things that we expect of warriors that we don't necessarily expect of everyone. And I'm wondering if maybe there are some things that we should expect of more people that we normally associate with warriors. Obviously, one would be courage. But are there other things that maybe come to mind? Um, well, I think that, uh, I don't know, it's confidence being there to, um, that you've trained, and that you know. I yeah. think that ultimately, if you're there and your skills are greater than this agitator, right. you're not really afraid. Right, right. Um, this person is out of place. Yep. And and being humble, you know, and and not needing everyone in the room to know how awesome you are. Right, right. <laughs> and, in other words, you want to be Achilles. You want to be yes. more like uh, Aeneas. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, the surprise is a tactical advantage. Yeah, right. And well, there's so, something though. That's that, that's a great insight because we wouldn't necessarily think that you know one of the qualities that we look for in just you know, moral human beings is the capacity for surprise. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. That's something that a warrior would uh, hopefully yeah. be able to do, to, to, to have in the arsenal of sort of abilities. Uh, the ability yeah. to and we talked about being able to remain courteous words yeah. and escalate the hard knocks right. um, very rapidly. That's right. Uh, but not a steady escalation yeah, yeah where you're being pulled into the narrative like we talked yeah, before yeah. and it's this back and forth and essentially because you couldn't remain courteous it escalated yeah you fed it right and so the reality and i i've had the blessing to when my temper got out of control in the military it wasn't all that catastrophic yeah the the Lord was able to give me these ultimately very humbling experiences yeah. and the ability to look back on them and realize I was wrong at an early juncture that that kind of set a series of events in order and ultimately worked out it wasn't catastrophic. Well, here's here's a here's an observation based on some of the stories I heard you tell, Mike. My sort of my sort of sense is that because you had confidence and you didn't really feel like you needed to prove something, you didn't have to prove something. If you get my, my point. So Correct. the very fact that you were prepared, you really could have killed people if you wanted to, meant that you didn't have to kill them to prove anything to anybody because you knew something yourself. Yeah, and that ultimately comes out of the belief. Uh, my motto. Uh, in the military was that I'm invincible until God is through me with me. Yep. Um, and, and the ultimate trust that if I am walking it out faithfully, the Lord is going to bring about the end state that is, is right. And there not need to be this uh, need to just make the first move necessarily or to, to get ahead of this and control it. The belief that, that God's way is going to work out ultimately for the best instead of, you know, be relying on the chariots and horses. Right. One of the things that we probably should start wrapping up, I know uh, things are kind of, the noise level is growing here at the convention center. <laughs> you probably can tell that. But uh, I, I do want to say one thing, and I'd like to have uh, Tom and Glenn uh, say something or ask something before we wrap up. But one of the things is you're, you're connecting, uh, you know, your life as a warrior with your uh, warriors ahead of a house, I think is something worth reflecting on. Particularly as we think of a household as a kind of garden, you could say, and that you're a warrior who is tending the garden, exercising dominion there. Um, one of the things that occurred to me as you said that, or kind of made reference to that is, uh, 
uh, one of the early household code books was written by a guy named Xenophon. It's a, it's a Socratic dialogue. And he contrasts, he has two conversations with Socrates is the, is in the and he's having conversations with a successful householder and a failure. And so with the successful householder, one of the things that the, that the, this, uh, this man says is I, I spend uh, a, a, some time every week uh, mastering my horse and practicing with my swordsmanship, practicing swordsmanship. In other words, he, he was, uh, as the head of his house, primarily responsible for his defense in a world where there were no rangers. <laughs> he was the ranger. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and no state troopers. And it was just heads of house. So like you showed a clip from the Patriot, a very inspiring clip, but you had heads of house who were part of the legislature who were debating with each other about what course of action they should take. And of course, in that film, Mel Gibson's opinion is, is overlooked or, or, or rejected, uh, but he finds himself having to, to fight, even though he didn't want to, at some point yes. in the story. Uh, that is kind of the story of our ancestors. Every head of house, you know, as a head of house, you didn't send other people out. You know, it's like a king, you know, in the ancient world, the king led his people to war. Uh, so with that in mind, what are some thoughts that you have on preparing, you know, as men to serve uh, our families in that capacity? Well, one of the big things that we did, and you mentioned, you know, we did a workout yeah. uh, or we did two essentially. Um, and one of the things I think that we can we can be really good. In, in some of our um, reform circles and, and things like that, that we, we, we have a lot of knowledge. Yeah. And we, we, we can kind of put things in their proper place and we think about things a lot, but then maybe we aren't as it, having as much dominion over our, the temple of the Holy Spirit That's with right. respect to physical right. Uh, right. working out, right. but then also tying it back to Second Timothy, you know, not a spirit of fear, but of love, power, love, and sound mind. And then kind of drawing some of my experience about um, traumatic brain injury and fostering a, a a physiological state where brain cells can can grow and regrow and, and being physically fit as a is a component key component of having a healthy brain, which is tying back to potentially you know fear being at that end of the spectrum, having a sound mind, being physically fit, and you know just as one component. But you know I would say that that you know I've had times where I didn't work out very well and you're having trouble sleeping and the stress God's given you, you know, these abilities and even just doing it at the ranch with no yeah. physical equipment um, and, and doing some push-ups, doing yeah, some squats. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Run, running, running up the side of the hill and, and elevating our heart rate for 15, 20 minutes and, and kind of, Hey, everybody's working at a different spot, but let's, let's, let's start to three to five times a week, get our heart rate up and, and get in shape. Um, and, and just have a, it, it's going to improve our, our mind yep. as well. It's going to allow us to, to think more clearly, to, to be more rested, but also, um, so, so that's one thing that I'm, I'm constantly warring against. It's very easy to, to kind of get to the end of the day and, and not, oh, I didn't work out again or right. I didn't whatever, but, but, you know, we showed that kind of different components and some of it is, is, is improving self, right. reading the word rare but then there's you know these disciplines that are physical as well like you know and and there's ways to to, to train with your your weapons and, and to and integrate your family and things like that but but ultimately you know just being fit yep. and and understanding that and and would be one way that i would encourage uh christians out there to to pursue yeah i've i've, I've sometimes suspected that some guys substitute uh gun proficiency for fitness you know, probably know what I'm at. Yeah, it's it's uh, and it, it's it's intention. Everything's intention. Uh, yeah, right. So I, I I know that Glenn had to leave. He had an appointment. But uh, Tom, you're still with us. Yeah. So any any thoughts any thoughts for Nate uh, as we wrap up? Um, no, I, I mean it's a lot of you know what you talk about. I think is is uh, very significant. Uh, a lot of what we talk about weekly um, oftentimes doesn't enter that terrain, but it's relevant to that domain. Um, it that it's it's the way in which, I mean, whether we're talking about using our mind or, or whatever craft we're doing, um, is cultivating all those virtues um, that foster 
our whole being um, in conformity to God and the way creation is meant to be connected in, in covenant. And so our family life, our devotional life, our spirituality, our physical lives, but also when we get into those dimensions of skills and gifts and talents that we have, um, I mean, it, you know, I, 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 I'm also a musician. And one of the things that you learn very quickly is you're not going to be very good, even if you have a lot of talent, if you do not get up and do your scales and then work through the hand exercises and then work through positioning the chord, getting your fingertips in the right place on the string and working through those, you know, painful, they're, they're painful moments where that's really where the make or break happens. Because when you're, you're putting, you know, sometimes you're putting a lot of pressure on things that aren't developed and it hurts. And, you know, a lot of people say, okay, I want to be a great player, but I don't want to be one that bad, you know? And then, but what you see is before long, it becomes almost second nature to you. And you have this, you have this ability to do things and almost you start to connect with, with your, with what you're doing an instrument to almost where you can communicate through it with very little um, effort. I mean, it, it almost can say what you want it to say and it's incredible. And I think that you, I think you're, you're talking about that as well, whether it's our training ourselves to, to in our family life and, and to ordering the family the right way spiritually and and uh and providing and ordering and then also in terms of being skilled for defense um you know it's a reality and 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 it's connected to me as i understand it it's very pro-life to be able to defend life especially the lives that you've been entrusted to defend um and and you know and so there's not a lot of work done from the Christian perspective these days on how to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think that you've got a great opportunity, uh, Nate, to kind of take us in some directions in churches uh, that I, I think that, well, I think we agree with you that we need some work in. Anyway, speaking uh, about work, we've got the folks from Canon Press working right next to us because we are at their table. <laughs> so here's, here's a book you really need to buy right now. <laughs> oh, and, and yeah, this one, too. These two books will change your life. <laughs> they will. <laughs> I, I just finished The War for the Cosmos, and it was fantastically encouraging to me. And uh, I'm glad to have uh, sent roundstown range with you <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun i i enjoyed it very much and i i really enjoyed being with with you and learning more about how to do that <laughs> but uh as we as we wrap up now uh is there anything you want folks to to know about how to contact you or maybe some ways that uh you know they should sort of look ahead uh some things that you may be up to and you want folks to know about and be looking for Yes, so we have the website as of social media handles that we're kind of cultivating, still kind of working through internally as an organization what we think about uh, producing stuff for certain mediums and things. So ultimately, uh, when we get things under control, at a minimum, a biweekly email list will come out. You can sign right. up for that on our website, okay. spearing.co. Yep. So and they can do that now. So they can sign they can up do that, that now. Okay, you scroll great. down, um, it's there. And then we have all of our social media channels there. So, and we do check and we are, you know, we're, we're small. It's me. I got one uh, brand narrative kind of guy. That's a graphics guy and ability to kind of start helping me craft uh, some of this, this coursework. So um, sign up for the email list um you can contact us on the website or via the various social media yeah i know that glenn and i and glenn is back glenn is back we were just selling your book glenn right here (laughs) we're we're at the canon table but um we just i know glenn and i sent you friends uh friend connections on facebook so awesome yeah, nice. you have. Yeah, if 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 you don't friend us, we will have hurt feelings. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, uh, we should wrap up. Is there anything you want to say as we wrap up, Glenn? You know, uh, mostly, I just want to apologize. I got bumped off because my my own Zoom account is what's being used for the Bible study that just started, and somehow. <laughs> it, yeah. Anyway, but I'm back. Um, Actually, it's those guys right there. I. Uh, I appreciated hearing from you, and I'm really intrigued by, um, you know, again, I'm a historian, 
And so I looked at this, um, you know, the idea of warrior virtues. I have a list in my own mind of what that has meant historically, and I think it makes a lot of sense. But they're not the ones you named. So I find that really intriguing, and uh, and uh, I'm going to have to think a lot more about that. So thank you. I appreciate that. Well, now as I can have to admittedly, I am the least educated by far on this podcast and talking about historic virtues from thousands of years ago kind of stretched my academic spectrum. Well, so but, but, you, you, I pulled you, them out of the back pocket from a layman perspective. Well, yeah, but you know what? You're, you're, you're the least academic, but you're the most experienced. We specialize in not doing things. The academic stuff does. So... Anyway, well, we should wrap up because there really are people who are expecting us to help them buy their books. <laughs> so anyways, thanks a lot for listening to the Theology Podcast, and we will be with you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.